This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 100, Century. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this episode, I have got some knitting, some spinning, some sewing. I'm all spun up about a Frankenstein project. And, of course, in honor of reaching my 100th episode, um, we are going to reminisce a little about how this all started. Let me kick this off. Of course, let me get this all started with some updates. On the alpaca front, the boys are doing fine. They have thoroughly adjusted to their new environment. Um, Everything is going well. We absolutely love having alpaca in our little herd. And they, I'm not sure if I told you this, but they bring us up to three alpaca, two chickens, one horse and a dachshund. Oh, and apparently one goldfish that my daughter happened to win this past weekend at the county fair. I don't know. It's it's a thing. This is the second time we've had fair goldfish, but this time they are located in her room, so it will have to be her responsibility to take care of them and not mine. Yay! What else? This past weekend, on Saturday, September 8th, I had the pleasure of going to Salida, Colorado for the Salida Fiber Festival, which was located in the city's Riverside Park, which is right by the river and kind of a city center kind of area. It was pretty cool. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a really great little event. Definitely a one-day event to visit. I didn't really see any signs of like classes that were being hosted or anything longer like that would take more than a single day so a couple of the girls from my knit group and i drove out to salida which is about a two and a half hour drive we hung out like all of the day and just really enjoyed the event it was mostly vendors there was a couple of demos and things like that but the weather was beautiful the beer garden was pretty wonderful the food was really good and Um, A lot of the vendors are, I think, names that you would recognize. Who all can I mention? Enchanted Farms was there. One of our regional yarn shops, You and Me, was there. Um, Some other recognizable names. The 100 Sheep was there. And I'm looking for someone's. Hummingbird Moon was there and all of her beautiful stuff. And I I mean, just basically any sort of fiber from a farm selling their fleece to beautifully prepared and dyed fiber and yarn vendors that catered to everybody from knitters to weavers, etc. There's a lot of felted stuff. But one of the vendors who sparked my interest, I think the most, I like, we did like a pass through the marketplace just to check everything out and then did a pass through for our purchases. And one of the vendors that I found to be most interesting was a newbie. She's actually been dyeing her own stuff for less than a year. Last year, I think she said she was at the same event, like fangirling over everybody. And this year she was vending for the first time. And her name is Six and Seven Fiber. 
She is 6 and 7 fiber on Etsy and she has a website 6 and 7 fiber.com and her I don't know her color selection I found to be very unique and interesting and she had a lot of great demos to show off her stuff and she's got some kits in her shop and things like that. I I really enjoyed her color selection. The saturation in her dyeing is really nice. Very deep saturation. But her colors themselves are kind of toned down. And I really, I don't know, I just like them a lot. And if you get the chance, you should go over and check out her stuff. I enjoyed it. She's a little bit different. And I think that's why she stuck in my mind so much. Was that she was a little different from everybody else that was there. Not that like Hummingbird Moon is definitely a little bit different. <laughs> and I think that 6 and 7 Fiber is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. I love Hummingbird Moon's like super bright oh my gosh saturation in your face those are perfect for knitting for itty bitty who we like to tease about being a recovering emo hummingbird mood definitely brings that out of her and represents the recovering emo pretty pretty well but overall the event was great good for a day trip if you are within a couple hours of driving definitely if you are going with friends it was a really good time and i am so glad i had the chance to make it out there all right, what else in updates? Okay, here's my last update. Let's talk about Jane. I don't think you guys know Jane. Jane is my 2012 Nissan Juke. She's a sweet girl. She has carried me nearly 100,000 miles, never given me a problem, except for the fact that she apparently has a target on her back, literally. Within six months of owning this car, and I bought it brand new, like I just got a promotion, I was feeling fancy, I brought bought this little car. You know, it's a great little hatchback, so I can carry, you know, I can pack it full of seven spinning wheels and all my clothes and all those things. Love that car. Within six months of owning it, we got caught in this horrible, horrible hailstone, hail storm in the spring of 2012, Just and we were all in the car, we're driving down the road. Huge, grapefruit-sized hail, and she was dented from bumper to bumper. Thankfully, no windows were shattered or anything like that. Nobody was hurt. But still, she was six months old. And it kind of went downhill from there. She's had body work several times, none of which were my fault. In the latest, the weekend before last, I was picking up the boy from the Denver International Airport. And someone hit me. <laughs> like, blindsided me. I won't tell you, like, all of the details about what she was doing. But I will say that she was sighted. For reckless driving and my poor car I don't know if she's gonna be repairable or if they're gonna total her I love that car I really hope they can fix her because my plan was to take the car to you know old ripe old age until she could no longer go that was my plan you know I was targeting like 200,000 miles like hey let's do this I've never done that with a car before so this was gonna be the first time and then, but I think this other driver may have ruined that for me. And because of all the hail that we've had out here, I can't actually get her seen by a mechanic for like another week. So that totally stinks. <sighs> so I'm hoping, keep your fingers crossed for me, that Jane is not totaled. Because one, I super love not having a car payment, right? And I super love my Jane. But things could absolutely be worse. For one, no one was injured in this accident. Two. It wasn't my fault, clearly. She was cited by the police. And it definitely could have been worse. It was just the two vehicles. 
no passengers in either vehicle, just the two drivers, and nobody was injured. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that Jane comes home to me looking as good as she did before. That would make me very, very happy because I've, you know, taken very good care of her over the years. Other people, on the other hand, like to scar and damage her, which totally sinks. Alrighty, that is all I've got going on in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. And now it's on to spin a tail. And like I mentioned earlier, I want to take this opportunity to reminisce about how I really got started with all of this. For one, I can't believe I finally, yes, finally, made it to 100 episodes. And for those of you who just found me or have not gone all the way back, like who haven't been with me in the beginning, um, it's taken me a really long time to get to 100 episodes. And that, I guess, is part of the story. So let's go way, way, way back, say, hmm, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I was living on an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean called Tuseira. It's part of this Portuguese island chain called the Azores. And that's when I found knitting podcasts. I'd only been knitting maybe six months, and we were a little bit media withdrawn out there in the middle of the Atlantic, but I had my iTunes, and I started listening to knitting podcasts and learning as much as I could about, you know, this craft of ours. And I listened to quite a bit, uh, quite a few people. Off the top of my head, of course, there was Brenda Dane. I listened to a lot of Nitpicks podcasts, Lion Brands podcast. Um, It's just Megan had a podcast. Uh, And I really, really, really grew to love my knitting podcasts. Like every Saturday, I'd plug in. And I'd clean my house and just get caught up on what everybody was doing over stateside and what was going on in the community. And I just totally loved it. And then fast forward a couple years, 2008, we moved back to the States and I got assigned to St. Louis. And I was just hanging out, you know, doing my thing, working every day. I found a great knitting group that I absolutely loved. And then I'm pretty sure it was Late 2009, early 2010, one of my knit girls, Jackie, decided or announced to us that she had started a knitting podcast called Kipping It Real. And that was when I realized, don't know why it took me so long to figure this out, like it clicked in my head that, oh, I guess real people with real lives can start podcasts and that's okay. Like it's a thing that you do, right? I don't know why you know, podcasts were these like celebrities in my head and yeah. So like, that's just when it like clicked to me that real people started podcasts, which was hilarious that it took me that long to figure it out because for six years in the military, I was a broadcaster. I was a DJ, um, an announcer. I did voiceovers and all sorts of stuff. And it just never occurred to me. And then fast forward, say another three or four months, And it's April of 2010, and me and Jackie are getting ready to make the long-haul trip to Baltimore, Maryland, to attend my first Maryland Sheep and Wool. And then I realized that Jackie, like because of her podcast, actually knew some other people that I had been listening to, and I was going to meet those people. So our dear friend Sparkly, Tammy, who was a part of the Nick group at one time, but then moved away and ended up moving back. 
was going to be on this trip with us. Jasmine and Gigi were going to be there and Megan. And it was pretty awesome. But I was like starstruck, getting ready to meet these podcasters. And I decided I wanted to be one of the cool kids. The first week of April in 2010, about four weeks before we headed out to Maryland Sheep and Wool, I started a podcast. And I'd like to say I never looked back, but there have been some periods over the past eight years where life just interfered. So there were multiple deployments that took me away from recording. When I got back from deployment, I wasn't always in the best place in my life, mentally, and, you know, with family and all those things, where I wanted to share. I also had periods during and post-deployment where I had no interest in my crafts, so there really wasn't anything to share. And it really, I think, wasn't, well, until the server crashed, and I was like, in a panic at that point where I had lost everything and I was trying to rebuild and I wanted to get back into it. That was 2016. And I kept trying to get the spark back, you know, trying to get my, find my mojo. And, you know, life was just interfering heavily. I wasn't happy where I was in the world. I wasn't happy where, literally where I was in the world. I wasn't happy where my family was and how we were doing. And then we moved to Colorado. And I really have been able to keep my mind and my hands busy doing all these things that we love to do. And of course, it's this whole new adventure has given me a lot to talk about, reinvigorated my interest in sharing all of my tales of life, love, and handmade adventure with you guys. And I think it's been a long road, but totally, totally worth it. I love being a podcaster. I love listening to podcasts still. I love sharing a bit of myself and my family, and I absolutely love running into people out and about in the world. Well, oh, that was kind of sappy. Well, I can't believe that I made it to 100 episodes, and I couldn't be happier about that, and I absolutely look forward to the next 100. In this edition of Spinning My Wheels, I have a little bit and a lot to tell you all at the same time. We'll start with spinning. I've paid the least amount of attention to spinning that could possibly have been paid since last time I recorded. As a matter of fact, the last time I spun on this bump that I am currently spinning was last time I recorded. I absolutely don't know why I haven't made it a part of my regular routine But I am constantly thinking to myself, just imagine how much spinning you could get done if you just spun for 15 minutes a day. I will look over at my spinning wheel and go, I could probably squeeze 15 minutes in. But then, since I last recorded, I haven't done that. So, big plans. Maybe next time I will be able to report that I've spun for 15 minutes a day since the last time I recorded, right? All right. Keep your fingers crossed. Not just the 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or whatever, 30 minutes that it takes me to actually record this episode. Am I right? Okay. Sorry about that. Not a whole lot to say there. Now, in sewing, I have done some sewing because, one, I've been trying to organize my sewing space in my craft room, so I figured that one of the best ways to decide how my sewing space would best be utilized was to actually sit in it and use it and go, okay, you know what? It would be best if I kept my snips here 
and my thread is doing perfectly wonderful right there on that pegboard where we put it no need to adjust i made five of the simplest most adorable project bags and the only thing i have left to do with those is toss a label on them which isn't 100 percent essential so for those of you who've been listening for a while you will recall that i have this issue i get this great idea about something i want to make and then I'll sit down and make like 10 of them in 10 different colors and I'll love it and it'll be great. It'll be wonderful. So that's what I do. So I just made five of these little project bags that I recently conceptualized. And they're so, they're like a, it's a stow and go kind of bag. It's perfect to put a project in if you're going to store it or if you're just going to toss it in a larger bag and take it with you. You know what I mean? Like, so when I go to knit group, I can grab one or two of those little bags. Like this one has a sock project in it. This one has a cowl in it. I can just put those in my larger bag and go and they're not going to get tangled and nothing's going to be a mess. Love them. They are so adorable. And they're easy to make, so I plan to make probably several, several more and share them like holidays and Christmas and that kind of thing. So we'll see. Love them. So you should see some pictures of those soon cropping up. Like if you follow me on Instagram, you've kind of seen me cut them. I finished most of the sewing or I got them all pressed out. I did some top stitching. I love top stitching. I don't know why. Just that one, you know, you go around the edging and you got that little singular line of top stitching so perfectly aligned with the edge of the fabric. That makes me happy. Don't know why, but I'd love to do it. Usually in a contrast color. For these five bags, I picked, I just like went through my stash and I was kind of feeling the whole spring summery bug. And I picked out five different fabrics that had flowers on them and they all had white in them somewhere. So the lining of the bags are all white. The outside of the bags are floral prints of some sort. So I used white top stitching around the edging. And that so makes me happy. And it's awesome. I really like those bags, again, because they have no fixtures on them. They're kind of got this a nice little foldover closure. You don't have to worry about stuff falling out. But you also don't have to worry about your fiber or yarn getting caught in anything like a zipper or, you know, golf grow, that kind of thing. So I'm super pleased with the bags I just finished sewing. And that makes me happy. What else? All right, so most of my time over the past, what, two and a half weeks has been taken up by the super duper top secret project. So I will tell you that I knit four samples for myself just to test everything every which way. I farmed it out to my knit group for test knitting and their feedback was invaluable. Because you know how it goes with that kind of thing. Like I can read something a hundred times that I wrote and I'll read it exactly the way I meant it, but that may not be the way that it's actually written. You know, like when you do your own copy editing, you always have to have someone else read it for you. So there were some good catches and some advice on like, there's this one cool stitch that I thought was inherently easy, but apparently it's not inherently easy, but it only took like, three or four words to explain it most clearly so that it is inherent, like it becomes so much easier with just those extra three words. So that was invaluable. Um, did a little photo shoot with Itty Bitty as my model, which was awesome. And that, my friends, because it is the super duper top secret project, that is all I can tell you about it. Really sorry. <laughs> so that like t the super duper top secret project took all of my crafting time over the since I last recorded pretty much except for the bags and that was really I think sewing in addition to helping me get that space organized 
was also really good for my hands to give me a break from the knitting. So that was cool. Um, I mean, I did lots of crafty things. I hung out at a crafty event. I went to knit group with the knit girls, but they know my top secret secret because, you know, they all got to look at the pattern and test it. <laughs> so I knit samples there, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that really, I think, hmm, yeah, that's all I've got going on this time around in spinning my wheels. What I really need to do is get like three projects off the needles, including a pair of socks, like all done except for the finishing, well, binding off, because I need my size two sock needles to design this pair of socks that I have in my head. I got to get it out of my head. I've got all this stuff. So I have this little sketch. I've got the techniques that I want to combine to make it a little different and interesting. It's one of those re-engineering projects, this pair of sports socks. I had to find the perfect yarn and I did, but now I need those size two needles so that I can execute and take a first run at what I have written down. All right. So that I should definitely be able to report on next time. And that one's not even top secret. I can tell you all about it. It is going to be an amazing little pair of uh, sports socks because I'm awesome like that. And I am re-engineering a favorite pair. All right. That is all I've got this time in spinning my wheels. This week, I am all spun up about a Frankenstein project that I have taken on over the past couple of months. All right, so here's what I've been up to. One of the girls in my knitting group has an antique sock knitting machine that her significant other purchased and refurbished for her. And I started looking at them online and researching them and getting totally enamored with the idea of an antique circular sock knitting machine. Not just like any circular knitting machine or straight knitting machine. Seriously, antique circular sock knitting machines. How crazy is that? So what I've been doing is I have been stalking and tracking one particular kind of circular sock knitting machine on the eBay and Craigslist and on Ravelry trying to find this one kind because I found one and I got it for like this super duper reasonable price. However, with these things, if someone hasn't refurbished it, it's going to need refurbishing. The first one I got has a bent cylinder and it didn't have a ribbing attachment. So I wasn't totally a hundred percent set by the time that one was delivered. So I ended up purchasing two additional lots that had parts and pieces for the same kind. So this is a Gearheart 1914. So the Gearheart 1914 was designed in 1914 and that's when it was made. And there were several additions and improvements. Like you can also get a Gearheart 1917. Another company bought the plans and actually make modern ones. But in my mind, that wasn't the same thing. Like in the same way that I have this fascination with antique, no longer being manufactured spinning wheels. The idea of this antique circular sock knitting machine has fascinated me. So I believe I have now parts and pieces to make three complete sock knitting machines, only one of which will have a river attachment. And that one I will be keeping for myself. I plan to refurbish all of the parts and pieces at the same time so that maybe I can gift to my mother or sell again on eBay or on Ravelry, like 
two additional completely refurbished Gearheart 1914 circular sock knitting machines. They're pretty cool. And I can't, like, I, like, one of them that I purchased didn't have a base or a crank, but it had, like, six different cylinders. And the cylinders are what determine, for those of you who aren't familiar with knitting machines at all, the cylinder on a circular sock knitting machine determines how many needles you can put on it. So the size and, and, you know, diameter of the weight of yarn that you can knit on it. So if I have a 72 needle cylinder on my circular sock knitting machine, that is the perfect number of stitches to do a fingering weight sock for myself, right? My husband, it would be best if I had an 80 needle cylinder for his big old feet. I could still use the same fingering weight yarn. However, it would what add another inch to the sock size and that would be cool so i should mention that i have absolutely no idea how to use these machines <laughs> but in the process of actually building these three machines what i'm going to do is i'm going to learn how to use my brother's sand blasting cabinet and i'm really going to try to take them back to as close as possible to their original manufactured condition how cool is that so I'm going to have to figure out what sandblasting medium is going to work the best. He's like, walnut shells, that's the way to go. So maybe it is. Either walnut shells or glass beads is probably what I'm going to end up with as my sandblasting medium as I attempt to refurbish these three antique sacking machines. And that is what's got me all, sock, all spun up, is my Frankenstein circular sock knitting machine. <laughs> huh. Alrighty, folks. That's all I've got. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. I would like to announce now that in honor of reaching my 100th episode, I am going to do a drawing, a Ravelry-based drawing. So there is a Spin Control podcast fan group on Ravelry. Some of you may already be members. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a drawing thread. If you would like to be entered into a drawing, I would like you to go over and share with the group over the next two weeks something that has you all spun up. Now, all spun up can be positive or negative. You know, maybe you're like super, super angry that you haven't perfected your gooey butter cake recipe yet. Go over there and just tell us that you're all spun up. Or, you know, your five-year-old nephew or a friend of a friend totally destroyed your spinning wheel and now you have to send it off for, you know, repairs. Or did you win a contest, have a grandchild finish an amazing pair of socks that you love? Go over to the group if you would like to be entered into this drawing and share in the contest specific thread for all spun up anything. And in two weeks time, I will shut down the thread and I will use a random number generator to select the winner of one of my handmade project bags. And I may just throw in a skein of yarn. Ooh, I may reach out to six and seven fibers and throw in a skein of her yarn. That would be pretty cool. And I will, of course, notify the winner personally and announce it on the show. All right. That is all I've got in this episode. I would like to lead out this episode with the song Jane Says by Jane's Addiction in honor of my poor car whose name is Jane. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. 
You can email me at ajoyfulgirlknits at gmail.com. Catch me on Ravelry as a Joyful Girl. Follow me on Instagram as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon. Jane says, I'm with Sergio. Treat me like a red girl. She hides the television. Said I don't know him nothing about it. Oh, he come back again. Tell him oh, wait right here for me. Oh, try again tomorrow. I'm gonna get. She don't mean